welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plastering with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always with my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, the daddy-o, the one and only, Mr Paul Evie. Thank you very much indeed. Hello everybody and welcome back. This is episode number 196. And firstly, got to say a huge thank you to Ross Embleton who gave up all of his Sunday night a couple of weeks ago um, to be with us and gave us such amazing insight and information in episode 195. It's probably one of the longest episodes we've done, but when someone from the club is prepared to give you as much insight and information that you don't get anywhere else, you don't stop that from happening that was a beast at two hours 27 minutes but ross always great value love having him on just like to echo what you've said to give up he was pretty much here from eight till half 11 and it was a pretty long podcast and quite an emotional one i thought at points for ross so you could tell i was getting emotional when he was talking about certain certain events so all we can do like you said is just a massive kudos to ross for coming on and being so open and honest and insightful Thought it was fantastic. Yeah, Carl Fletcher, you got a lot to live up to. <laughs> Carl, you better get your boots on, mate. Yeah. Uh, this week, though, we've got an exclusive interview with Chairman Nigel Travis that we recorded just before we started recording this podcast. So it's a, a fantastic catch up with him. Uh, that's coming up towards the end of the show. We've also got three games to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about two of them quite briefly. We've got two weeks of news to catch up on, and obviously the big news uh, that we've appointed Carl Fletcher. Uh, as our manager, and we'll cover that later on in the show. But as always, we start with a quick word from our podcast sponsor, who are AJF Plastering, as Steve said earlier on. They're an Essex-based plastering and rendering company that covers all aspects of domestic and commercial work, but they specialise in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is that they offer a 15% discount for all Late Orient fans and staff. If you're thinking of having some work done in the house, you're going to need some plastering or rendering done, email ajfplastering at outlook.com. You can visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC. That's B-I-G-A-D-Z-L-O-F-C on Twitter as well. So time for your supporters club update and just one trip to tell you about this week. And that is Plymouth on Tuesday. Coaches leave this one at 1pm for a 7.45 kickoff. This is a very, very long journey on a Tuesday night. The price for this is £36 for adults and £33 for concessions, which is an absolute bargain. If you're not a member of the supporters club, this will cost you an additional £3. And if you are under 15, you can travel for half price, but you must be with an adult. To book for this one, you need to phone the supporters club travel line on 07722. 135970. So if you're listening to this on Sunday evening or Monday and you're getting excited about Plymouth and kind of getting twitchy fingers, do it now. Get yourself on that coach and get yourself down to Plymouth. It will hopefully be an amazing game. And Carl Fletcher's first in charge of the Orient. What better way to spend your Tuesday night? Yeah. Even though it's a mission. Late Orient Trust <laughs> update though. Uh, as we move on, 60 children from Greenleaf Primary School were invited to the Bray Group Stadium for a show, Racism, the Red Card event. The day included presentations and workshops and afterwards O's player Jaden Sweeney joined the panel discussion to answer the children's questions on the subject. Kent and Christine Teague visited Greenleaf Primary to, uh, School to speak to the children as part 
of the launch of the Pen Power Project 2019. This project sees pupils from East London and Texas writing and exchanging letters to each other. And as part of World Mental Health Day last Thursday, the Trust hosted a tournament for our coping through football participants. So more fantastic work uh, being done by the Trust. Yeah, just one part of AOB this week, and it's about the Sunshine Bus which is travelling to Newport on Sunday the 29th of December and to Forest Green Rovers on Saturday the 29th of February. And if necessary and if drawn away, it will go to our first round FA Cup opponents, as we'll find out tomorrow. That will be on Saturday the 9th of November. That's a pretty pivotal day on Outlook Podcast Towers, which I'm sure we'll come on to at some point in the future. And to talk about the FA Cup draw very quickly, that's tomorrow night, BBC Two, 7pm, Look out for ball number 22. That's late Monday Orient. night. That's Monday night as we record Sunday. Did I say tomorrow? Yeah. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Cool. So if you want to book for any trips for the Sunshine Bus, it's easy to do so. All you need to do is email gfaburton at hotmouth.com. I've never been on one. I'm told these are fantastic trips. You went last I season. Did go. I did go to one, yeah. I went down to Eastley, I think it was. Fantastic. It was good. It's good fun. It's, it's, it's always good fun. Ed Morgan and Phil Morgan sit in front of us, swear blind. That is probably one of the best experiences you will have. And I'm very tempted by Forest Screen Rovers. It looks like it might be a doable date, so we'll see. Oh. Got to ask the missus in the next yeah, room. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, right, so fortnight that was then. So there's a fair bit to cover here, so let's uh, press through this then. Course on Monday then, the 7th of October. It was a quiet day at the club as episode 195 with Ross was taking the airwaves by storm. And again, thanks Ross for all your help, your time uh, and your honesty. We really appreciate it. Yeah, moving on into Tahuay Tuesday, the 8th of October. <coughs> it was time for the main event as the O's visited AFC Wimbledon in the leasing.com trophy. We'll cover this one very, very yeah. quickly. So the team was announced as sergeant in goal with Judd, Ekpeteta, Happy and Ogie at the back in midfield of Gorman, Marsh, Dayton, uh, with up front Dennis, JMD and James Alabi, who we will mention quite a lot, I would say, in this podcast. So, so on the bench, we had Janata, Coulson, Sweeney, Clay, Brophy, Wilkinson and Matt Harold. Yeah, Ross named a side with nine changes, including a first start of the season for the one and only uh, star man James Dayton, who returns from injury, having picked that up in a uh, picked up picked up in that bizarre game against Sutton United, uh, as AFC Wimbledon made only two changes from the team who beat Rochdale 3-2 the previous Saturday. Yeah, an action-packed start. Sorry, O's go behind in the second minute. Shadrach Ogi lost his man and Ninfeld. Scott Wagstaff in the box. The referee awarded the penalty, which Joe Piggott stepped up and dispatched it to put AFC Wimbledon 1 0 up. Yeah, I thought that looked a bit of a harsh penalty decision. I've seen them given, obviously, and I've seen them not given as well. Just a shame he just sort of got a little bit tangled there, didn't he? Yeah. Two minutes later, though, we broke away. James Alabi surged into the box and crossed for Louis Dennis, who hit the bar from close range. Seems to be a recurring theme with him and that. Uh, and in the seventh minute, there was another chance for us again from a powerful Alabi run as his cross was headed out to Dennis, whose effort bounced just wide. Um, Good chances then. Yeah, Alabi did really well to set Louis Dennis up, actually. I'm not quite sure how he's missed from that close quarter, though. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that, and I think we're going to talk about Dennis a bit later. Yeah, because in yesterday's game, he missed a couple from close uh, range as well. Yeah, so. one in particular. So let's fast forward to the 40th minute, and Sam Sargent was called into action uh, as Pinnock cut onto his left. He shot, forced a good low save uh, from Sam, 
And then as for Livy, he got the rebound, Sam again done well, and he saved the ball with his legs. Well yeah. done, young Sam Sargent. Yeah, two very good saves. And from a guy that's not played much first-team football, to be that sharp and to be that ready says a lot about him. So at half-time, we went in at 1-0. The club's Twitter feed pointed out the O's have had the better of the opening period, but a second-minute penalty has the hosts ahead. Yeah, attendance was announced at 642, so as you'd expect, quite a low attendance for this one. I don't think the official away numbers were announced, but I don't think there were too many, but a few travelling O's fans were in attendance. And then yep. Ross made one change at half-time as Miles Judd came on and replaced Marvin Ekpateta. But four minutes into the second half, AFC Wimbledon <laughs> doubled their lead. The sergeant made a good save, but Fovley made no mistake from the rebound. This time, as he pretty much just walked the ball into the net, and it was yeah. 2-0 to Wimbledon. On the hour mark, James Dayton was replaced by James Brophy, and shortly after, Shadrach Oji was replaced by Josh Coulson. So we won a penalty then in the 72nd minute as JMD Dunwell made a good run into the box, got taken out, clear blatant penalty, upstepped Dal Gorman this time, another penalty taker, who, for me, decent effort actually, he had a decent amount of power, but his effort was well saved by their keeper. I thought it was a good height for the keeper, uh, who's, who, if you notice, and if you can be bothered to look back, stood more to one side of the goal, which suggested to me that he was going to dive that way. And if he got it wrong, that he'd still have a leg out, perhaps, to to cover himself. So, I think for a professional... I'm always like... If it's, you're talking me and you, it's different. But you're talking a professional footballer. For me, all right, he's made the keeper work. OK, the keeper's made a good save. But I think you should be scoring. Oh, I think you're very harsh. I think yeah, the keeper think... just goes really early. And if the keeper gets it the wrong way, it, it hits the back of the net. It's not um, like the JMD penalty the other week where it was not very pacey. Yeah, true. Quite close to the keeper. Keeper just guessed early, gone the right way and saved it. So I thought that was a decent penalty, but a decent save. But... We digress as that chance win. And I think if we would have scored that, that could have been a game changer, actually, because that would have been all us for the last 20 minutes. But Correct. as it subsided, Wimbledon effectively ended the game in the 80th minute as Callum Riley made it 3-0 as he shot from outside the box. It took a slight deflection, flew past Sargent in the orange goal, yeah. and it was 3-0. But by that point, the game was pretty much done anyway. Two minutes of added time were played in the final minute. Louis Dennis had the ball in the back of the net, but it was ruled out. For offside, the game ended 3-0 to AFC Wimbledon. And from my perspective, I was a bit disappointed by this result, having done well against Southend uh, in the previous uh, cup, uh, cup game. But credit to Wimbledon, they didn't make many changes. Uh, a sort of question for me is, are, are, they, are we taking this very, very seriously? Um, or are we just sort of playing the competition and using this to sort of give more game time to... To players that aren't getting that or was it a mixture of both um, was my sort of the questions that came to uh, to my mind didn't see the game live but from the social media and the highlights it seems like we had some good opportunities but didn't do enough again in both boxes and for me missing a penalty is a bit of an issue okay for you um, for me it sounds like we played okay in the first half obviously I didn't go I didn't listen to it I've just seen the highlights Dennis probably should score, I'd say, quite early on. And if he scores that, it's one all like six minutes gone. It's a bit of a different game. Um, but to concede the goal early in the second half gave us a bit of a mountain to climb. But like I said, if Gorman scores that penalty in the 72nd minute, it's 2-1 and it's game on. And it's probably a completely different last 20 minutes of us piling on the pressure. But again, what I made notes of is when we won the penalty, it sounded like there was confusion about the penalty again in terms of I think Dennis wanted to take it and both Gorman wanted to take it but we didn't score they made it 3-0 we lost positive though great to see James Dayton back in the squad and getting an hour's game time 
3-0 sounds like it did roughly flatter Wimbledon. It didn't sound like it was a 3-0 performance. Good point, though, about their team selection. I mean, Wimbledon had a very poor start to the season and maybe they saw this as an opportunity to get a win and to get some confidence back in the squad where we really, at this point, weren't that fussed about the tournament. And considering them technically managerless at the moment because he's suspended. Yeah. Um, yeah, different different gravy. We had one view came in from um, at Mark Soiter on Twitter who said, another poor performance, not much created, and when we had chances, we weren't clinical. I don't understand why we've made two defensive changes when we were losing. This was a good chance for players to get into the squad, but they didn't take it. Yeah, so Prediction League update, so even though it's the leasing.com trophy, we still ran the Prediction League, but there were no correct predictions for this game, and there will be a full Prediction League update at the end of the podcast. Wednesday the 9th of October then, and as we move on, happy 27th birthday to Louis Dennis. Yeah, happy birthday Louis, and then later on in the day, the BBC reported that the O's and Port Valve both being fined by the FA after their on-pitch melee during the League 2 match on Saturday the 28th of September. We got fined two grand and Port Vale got fined 1750 but it was their man that instigated it, so I don't understand why we're being charged £250 more. No, I don't, I don't get it. No, um, We're also delighted to confirm um, the Lake Orient Academy. So we're delighted. This is obviously from something we've taken from social media. Um... Sorry, later in the day, sorry, the club announced on Twitter that we are delighted to confirm the Leighton Orient Academy will be playing in the shirts, donning the JE3 Foundation logo this season. Thank you to Charlie Edinburgh and the rest of the JE3 Foundation trustees for allowing it. Shirts look great. Just a pity you can't buy them. Yes. Because I think you're going to be allowed to auction them or win them by auction. If For me, just sell them, man. Sell them and just make a fortune off the back of them. With the profits going to the Jays. Yeah, I know why we aren't. I know why the club aren't. Because they've got they've got, got the already. kits they want to sell. But, yeah. you know, nothing against the Dream Team kit, but it's not enough to make me go out and buy it. But when I saw that JE Foundation one, I thought, oh, if that was available now, I would literally would have ordered that straight away. Yeah. It just looks smart. Yeah. And they could have sold a lot. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they will bring them out. Who knows if the demand Who is there? Knows? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Thursday the 10th of October. Yeah, although we have digressed, the ladies' team were in action on Wednesday evening. They were oh, away to Wimbledon. Yep. And despite a valiant second half effort, the unbeaten start to the season for the ladies came to an end as they slipped to a 1 0 defeat. Unlucky there to the ladies. Absolutely. My apologies for moving on too swiftly. On <laughs> Thursday the 10th of October, it was World Mental Health Day. The Sky Sports ran a feature on the O's about the loss of Justin Edinburgh and the effect on the players and staff, which was a great watch. And remember, it is okay to not be okay. Do ask for help. Ask if someone is okay. Never assume that they are. I mean, that clip. I don't know if you saw that five yeah, minute clip. It was absolutely fantastic, and I don't know how Joby and Josh and mine in particular can articulate it as well as they can. Yeah. Still do so well, especially Joby, who I just thought when they asked him like, "Do you miss him?" When Joby was like, "Yeah, like every day." I don't know how that moment Joby just didn't ask to, like to stop the recording to take a moment. So, yeah, fantastic. All we can do here is just commend those players because it's easy to forget. It feels like a long time ago because so much has happened but it's only about three and a half four months ago and that is someone who they saw every day and who they worked with it's just it still boggles the mind so moving on then to Mooney Friday the 11th of October and it was a quiet day at the club 
with no news to report. So Saturday the 12th of October, then the youth team were in action against Northampton Town. Unfortunately, lost the game 7-2 with Lawrence Hammond and Alex Solomon scoring for the O's. In time for the main event as Walsall visited Brisbane Road. And as always, before the game, we ran our normal pre-match Twitter poll asking whether you thought we'd win, lose or draw the match. And 217 votes concluded the following with a massive, massive, huge win percentage coming in of 77 percent with only 15 percent of you thinking we would draw and an even lower eight percent of you thinking we would lose another huge swing to the orient air so as always yeah. thanks for your predictions in our twitter poll so the main event uh with the team lining up with dean brewing goal judd happy coulson widdison uh with your defense clay wright gorman Brophy Wilkinson and Harold made up the rest of the squad for that day. Substitutes on the day were Sam Sargent, OG, uh, Marsh, sorry, Ogie, I think it is pronounced, JMD, Dennis, Dayton, and Alabi. So there was only one change from last week's starting 11 against Northampton as Miles Judd replaced the injured Sam Ling as Marvin Ekpeteta also missed out through injury following uh, the injury he picked up in a Wimbledon game. So for me, absolutely as expected uh, that lineup. And it was also great to meet Theo for the yeah, first time before the nice. match. Had a great photo um, of the two very of us honoured. with Theo. So thank you, Theo, very, very honoured for that photo. No, I agree with you about the team lineup as well. I think um, I think a big sort of note to see how good Miles Judd will be, given that he's not played much game. Yeah, uh, game time. Um, at SR Barber nineteen eighty six tweeted us and said a lot of attackers on the bench. I would have started with a bit more of an attacking lineup at home, but time will tell. Yeah, and on its feet, they also tweeted us before the match and said might have put Marsh in ahead of Gorman, but apart from that, spot on. So the match kicked off on a wet and slightly cold day. It was quite cold actually, from what I remember. Yeah, it was, in yeah. front of a bumper crowd as football for five have returned. Of the O's looking for back-to-back league wins for the first time since August two thousand and sixteen. And with Walsall looking for their third consecutive away win. So we're going to fast forward through this match. and We're going to start the 21st minute. Walsall took the lead as a throw-in on our right. Sees Miles Judd and Craig Clay beaten as a cross came in, which was spilled by Dean Brill. And our failure to clear the ball eventually came out to the wonderfully bearded Sinclair, who fired his shot through the defenders as the ball was deflected into the back of the net. And it was 1-0 to the visitors I think we can all agree that was pretty poor defending um, in terms of Judd and Clare both beating too easily Brill spills the ball and Sinclair with his wonderful beard is the first to react and gets his shot through a, a raft of bodies and 1-0 and you're just thinking oh no because be up until that point I know we're not going to cover this too much but up until that point we were actually doing alright we had had the better of the play yeah I agree yeah um could Wright have been a bit tighter? Could Judd have spread himself a bit more? It's all lifts and buts and maybes. But you just have to accept it's a poor goal that we could could have possibly presented. And I, I was post-match and I spoke to Reese Otley uh, post-match and I said, like, what happened there? Because Dean just seemed to just lay on the floor. And he did explain that it was one of those that where Dean sort of went down and was a bit disorientated and rather than potentially move and then sort of put the ball in the back of the net, he kind of or get trampled as well yeah. so that's kind of what you saw happening so it's all real sort of quick thinking and decision making and uh, you know unfortunately it led to a goal but yeah. um, not the end of the world as it turned out yeah so the rest of the half also I think it's fair to say were pretty much on top their goal seemed to kind of knock the stuffing out of us 
uh, and we also did. what points were passing the ball around us and I think someone shouted out that they were we were making walks what points look like Brazil because they were just making it look really simple McDonald was giving Judd quite a torrid did, time yeah. um, on the left hand side I think Judd tackled him quite early on on his inside and then McDonald just kind of decided to take him on the outside and he was uh, really pretty much all the time money, that guy yeah, he was but, like spurred on by the fact that he was getting success against Judd. Well, that would have looked at Judd probably and gone right. He's not their their normal right back. He's probably a bit of short game time. Let's give him a, let's give him a, a bit exactly. of a run around. So Judd having a very very tough first half. But we did have the ball in the back of the net in the twenty fifth minute, but it was ruled out for offside. Yeah, I mean at the time it seemed pretty clear cut. I think looking back on it, maybe not so clear cut. I agree. But all the yeah. players had stopped anyway by that point. So two minutes of additional time were played out as the half time whistle went with the O's. A goal down. And we started off quite well, but ended up looking like we didn't know our roles. And I thought we looked generally a little bit disorganised. And one scrappy goal we've, we've we've let in. It's really the main chance that they had yeah. in that half, and they've managed to put it in the back of the net. So lots of tweets coming into us at Orient Hour. Look at half time. Billy Baker started them off by saying, I "Think there's something really wrong with Judd's right leg. Looks awkward when running. Struggles to push himself up from the ground on it." and grips it whenever he's slightly squatted. Magic underscore John's thought was okay. Not terrible, not great. Missed one or two good chances for all Walsall play. Rarely had good chances. Judge showing how you defend a tricky winger for all the idiots in the south saying get tighter. Would like to see Wilco now go up top and bring another winger on. I am underscore emo said there. 25 is destroying us, alluding to McDonald on the right-hand side. Mm. Gorman and Clay are passengers can we sign the Papa John's dude on the bike? As he is the only one here who delivers regularly. But very sh- good. Very good. Bazal73 said, what's up with Judd? Off the pace, not put a tackle in. Needed Wilkinson to chase his man back. I know not have much game time, but is he carrying an injury? Yeah, so lots kind of tweets of... alluding to kind of the same yeah. thing at half time. So the attendance was announced at 6,951 with 852 travelling away fans. Now, it was a sold-out game in terms of the amount of tickets that they could physically sell. It did not look to me like there was 2,200 seats available in that stadium. Yeah, I would agree. To me. I mean, obviously, I haven't sat and counted every spot, every missing gap, but that's 2,200 seats. That's a lot of seats. And we're in 9,200 capacity stadium. And I'm just saying, it didn't look like we yeah. had two, over 2,000 seats short. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. They, so, they had 850 in the away end. That holds 1,300. So that's 450 seats. That's only 450 seats. So that's like a, nearly a quarter of the... Anyway, but... Double S's. Yeah, but it just looks... It looked so much fuller than what it actually was. Yeah, it felt it as well. So second half kicked off. No subs for Yos. As Walsall started the second half with a few half chances. But in the 48th minute, one of the highlights of the season today. And it was an equaliser for the O's. And from the most unlikely sources, James Brophy drove into the box on his left wing, attempted to cut it back to Craig Clay. The pass was intercepted and the ball came out to Joe Woodowson and on his right foot, just on the edge of the box, he called an absolute beauty oh. into the back oh. of there on his 100th hose appearance to make it one all. And he caused absolute <laughs> scenes in the south stand. And I'm sure goal. he did wherever you were in the ground. What a goal. What an absolutely cracking goal. Following some good build-up play, which he actually started. Uh, I thought it was a great goal. He's hit it sweetly. He's hit it first time on his weak foot. And he doesn't really ever score. And it was worth waiting for. (laughs) 
Yeah, 10 years, 8 months and 19 days according to one statistician. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a long time to wait, but that was worth it. He couldn't hit that any sweeter, so we're no. obviously privileged to sit where we sit. We get a great view of the goals in the south stand, and you could see the ball rolling out to him, and you could see what he was looking to do. He takes a look up, and you could see his foot swinging towards the ball, but I don't think anyone in the ground thought he was going to hit it as cleanly and as sweetly as he did, and when that kind of ball just smacked itself into the net, it was great to see and a great celebration there um, from Joe. So really, really great to see. So one all ground rocking at this point and it wasn't long after until we took the lead on the hour mark as I went off to the toilet as there was a oh, ball free kick. Foul on your part, But then mate. their defender, Clark, given in possession and his terrible pass, sold Guthrie shorts. Craig Clay reacted quickly. He advanced into the box unchallenged. Could have gone for the glory himself but squared to the unmarked Ginger Pele, Matt Harold, who was waiting and placed his shot right in the back of the net great finish and from the cubicles of the south stand I heard the massive roar and thought to myself damn (laughs) yeah superb from Clay actually Um, he was very very sharp there Uh, very very quick to pounce he really could have taken the glory he could have gone for gold he could have shot he could have missed it and fluffed it and we'd be talking about a very different result but he didn't Matt Harold was unmarked next to him um, and he squared it for him and and Harold um, put it in we've got it on our social media Um, I managed to catch that luckily I just caught him putting it in the back of the net it was not the greatest of of, uh, lengths but it, it, you know, you can see what what's happened there, and yeah, amazing. I think he made it look very easy because it was a wet pitch. The ball was quite pacey on it, it and he's done well there. I think he's made it look a lot easier um, yeah. than what than what it actually looked like. And in the seventy fourth minute, we put the game to bed as a long kick from Dean Brill was flicked on by Matt Harold to James Brophy, who chested it down to Connor <coughs> Wilkinson. He got the ball on the edge of the box, moved across the box. He was now in the centre of the goal, and on his left foot took a shot, took a deflection. Their keeper was going the wrong way and the ball rolled into the net. 3-1, job done. And that's how easy football can be sometimes. Um, great to just have that luck that's eluded us, I think, previously. We've seen a few goals like that go against us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at that point, that was like kind of game done. Three goals in an outstanding 27 minutes and all down the south stand. Yeah, absolutely. What a time to be alive. Love it. Yeah, what a great stand to be sat in. <laughs> Route 1 football seemed to work a bit of a treat there. Uh, only four players actually touched the ball in that move and three of them only had one touch with the ball. Uh, Wilkinson had to do, uh, had still had work to do. He's uh, really stepping up since Angle hasn't been playing. So, fantastic. But as we come on to Connor now, he's sort of, all the good he's done, he's just kind of undone that with his next piece of behaviour. Yeah, so from hero to villain in the yes. 80th minute with the O's cruising really, Connor is red carded for an altercation with Clark who only receives a yellow card. I think we've probably all seen it by now. Yeah. At the time it looked a bit harsh but then when you look it back on TV, needless from Connor yeah. and it was a blatant red. Never going to yeah. escape that. And real shame for him because he was really coming into some good form. We'd done really well uh, in his previous few games. Just scored obviously, like we've just spoken about, and then does something needless, stupid, loses his head, and he's ruled out for the next three games when he would have been an automatic star, with yeah. no doubt about that. And we saw glimpses of this against Port Vale as well, yeah. which is what we ended up getting fined for. So 
that needs to be ruled out. He needs to cut that out of his uh, out of his game because that's not acceptable. He's got to set an example. If you can't keep your cool, you've got to be walking away from that. Club captain's got to be coming in and, and, and having a really strong word with him about that because now we miss him for three games. It was a stupid thing to do. Yeah, and I think he admitted that on, on his Instagram post that he put out. Like He kind of apologised, but you know it's his loss. He will, and as will transpire, he's missing the first two games of a new manager's reign because he's been sent yeah, off and he's exactly. going to you know I think we'll come on to obviously Harold and Alarby but who would have thought we'd been saying this at the beginning of the season with the form them two are in mm. it might be actually quite hard for him to get back into the starting 11 if those two can keep up yeah, their if form if Alibi does what he did again yesterday it's great which we've got so he's missed yesterday he'll miss Plymouth and then he'll miss Carlisle yeah. so He's only out for a couple of weeks in that regard. It could have been three weeks if we didn't have a midweek game, so it kind of helps him in that regard. That but what, back a, what a great game. incentive to Matt Howard and James Larby. 100%. What it's their shirt incentive. to lose now. A million percent. Their shirt to lose. Absolutely. He, that, that piece of stupidity has cost him. So five minutes of time were added on. In the third minute, Walsall really should have pulled a goal back through Edebayo, but they didn't. Uh, and the South Stand was singing Ross Embleton's name loud and clear as the full-time whistle went as the O's picked up their second win on the spin another three points for the O's and we all gave Ross the applaud of the pitch as he deserved as we all thought that would be his last game in charge we did think that and Ross Embleton said at half uh, uh, in his post-match my message at half-time was one of a little bit of disappointment because I think uh, that the poor goal we conceded makes the half feel perhaps a little bit worse than it was I didn't think we were scintillating, but at the same time, I didn't think we were as poor as that feeling felt coming off the pitch. My message was that I know how capable you are. You've shown that already. Don't panic. Stick to what we've spoken about. I thought we needed to play with a little more intensity because I felt we were starting to get behind the ball and I thought we were we showed our intent pretty quickly at the start of the second half. Yeah, we sure did. Ross Kenty was also uh, out and about post-match and he said, we've made a decision. We've made an offer and we're in the midst of negotiating the particulars of the situation and that is pretty much why we didn't do a podcast on the Sunday because we were pretty sure following that quote that there would have been an announcement on the Monday. So we did plan to do a podcast on the Monday. Or latest and latest Tuesday. But as you all know, or as we'll come on to, it didn't quite transpire yet that way during the week. Absolutely. So that league table sees us now, That sorry, that win... Now Caesars move up to 17th in League 2, having played 13, won 4, drawn 4, lost 5 with a goal difference of minus 3 and with 16 points uh, to our name. So for me, as we expect the new manager to be in charge for the next game, what a great way for Ross to sign off his time as interim head coach of this club. Seven points from nine in our last three games and two wins and a draw is something I'm sure he's proud of. And is Josh Coulson's comment to me about the third goal against Port Vale being our turning point coming true? Because that's two games mm. now. Uh, as as we are uh, talking about Walsall, obviously we'll come on to yeah. yesterday's game in a minute. On the pitch, some issues we need, still need to iron out. Can't keep conceding poor goals. It means that we have to score at least two goals to win a game. Yeah. So you're starting off from almost minus two. Uh, and sometimes it'd just be nice to win a game 1-0. <laughs> okay. Just to not have that... that Going behind and that that sick feeling that uh, is it not going to be our day again? Yeah. Walsall's only real danger man was their number twenty five who we've spoken about. He had a good fast first half, but was anonymous in the second half, which is probably why he got substituted. 
they're seven, Sinclair with the uh, tremendous beard, looked like uh, their man to run the game and run their midfield, which he did in the first half a bit, but the second half was, again, pretty anonymous as we stepped up our game quite significantly. And special mentions for me in that game for Harold Wooderson and Wright, who I thought were excellent. I thought Judd did well in spells too, and considering he's had very little first team game time, I think um, he will improve as, as time goes on. Much better second half. Like you said, McDonald with their 25 was anonymous in the second half so you can only say well done to Judd for that absolutely but he can only be as good as the support he's also getting from the man in front of him so if he's not getting that support from anybody and he's on his own then it's what's going to happen Wilkinson also did very well that is until he got sent off and he needs to sort his temper out as that's twice in three games we've seen that behaviour and he started the handbags in the first place although Ross did say post-match that he did come in with a black eye so something's happened there that, that is probably slightly unjust towards him. I thought the referee was poor all game, but I think he got that decision correct. And as we heard from Ross, yeah, Connor came in with a black eye. Um, so there's more, maybe more to it than uh, the cameras picked up. For me, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that game. It was I a really too. great game. Second fighting. home game on the shot that I really enjoyed. I thought we started well. We looked the better team. Like we said, Walter was goal. Not stuffing our hours in the first half. Four miles, like we've said, was given a tough test. But he also... Always kept going, which is a testament to to Miles. But the second half was a pleasure uh, to watch, and like we said, three goals in the south stand doesn't get better than that. Joe, what a fantastic moment from hitting the <coughs> poster against AFC Fylde at Wembley. You just thought he was never going to score for Orient, and it was a great goal. Like I've said, I was gutted to miss the second, but I did see the third, which was which was good. I agree with you about Connor. Really disappointing to see that. Uh, and hopefully he learns to not lose his head because yeah. you can guarantee if you're one of his opponents going forward now your manager will just be telling you to you know, give him a little pinch here you know, wind him up there just say something in his ear try yeah. and get him sent off good to see Alabi get some game time um, <laughs> I know I've not read this back I really think that if Alabi does score there might actually be a mini riot on the pitch following his little cameo and ended up by writing it was great to see Brisbane Road buzzing and busy and I think we deserve the three points on the balance of play and if this is to be Ross's last game in charge and he can leave with his head held high, it gives the new manager a really great platform to work with after taking seven points from the last nine available. So those were our views. We're still going to mention a few of your views. Obviously not as, mentioned, not as many as what we normally would, but we still had tons. And it's always good to get your feedback after a game. So again, these are all tweets that came in to at Orient Outlook. And we start with at Essex Biz, who needs to get himself to a game sooner yeah. rather than later. Stop he hiding. tweeted us and said, what a great win. Massive three points and back-to-back victories for the first time this season. Great character showing to come from behind and great goals for Anna Joe Willison won the strike. That's about as rare as me getting to an Orient game so far this season. Yeah, as he says. Dave Danu said, whatever Ross said, uh, during the break it worked what a goal by Joe Widdison great way to get his first goal in a no shirt brought my best mate to the game his first at Brisbane Road told him he's coming again absolutely Philip Wichello said a solid result second half showed more of the O's spirit that won us the National League last season however some of the worst refereeing I've seen in a while I thought that League 2 was supposed to have competent officials yeah, uh, at Orient, Ed said, if ever the phrase a game of two halves ever rang true, it was today. Poor first half, great second. Oh, and Joe Widdison, take a bow, son. Yeah, great. Paul underscore LT2 pieces, a great second half, and I'm really pleased for Wellowson and Matt Harold, who led the line fantastically. Naive by Connor, as they have been winding him up all afternoon, but I'm pleased it didn't cost us 
The forward line now looks mighty thin. Time for Satoru to step up and he finished his tweet by saying thank you to Ross. Tobias Lamptey said delighted with that Orient win. Poor first half but whatever Ross said at half time it worked. As for that Widdersson goal, take a bow. Hopefully we found our feet in this league and we can now kick on up the O's. Yeah, Leighton Orient said, if anything, Widdersson's goal overshadowed a super defensive performance that really deserved man in a match. Still, it was a great strike and that right peg isn't just for standing on. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, Danboy underscore Clark said, team showed some heart to get back into that. Connor Wilkinson is really starting to show his quality but he must hold his call when other teams are trying to get a reaction from him. Tim Scales, 94, said, Superb win. Great to see Wilson get his goal. And Wilkinson is getting better with every game he plays, although it was a shame about the red card. But I don't think enough praise has been given to Miles Judd. He had a tricky winger to deal with today and did really well to keep him largely in check. And the final word of this game goes to at underscore Shivan Pathak, who said, Cracking win today. Positive midfield play all round. Wilson was excellent. Great finish. Harold had a top game. Shame about Wilco's red, otherwise he played well. Perhaps a chance for Satoru next game. Happy with a strong game as well, and he's glad for Ross. Yeah, absolutely. So those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook. So time to move on to our Prediction League update, and quite a few quick predictions for this one. So well done to our E10 underscore rifles in Clifford Hart 10, who went for 3-1, got three points. Well done to John McNovo, Gary Hammond Perk, Reedy QB9, and Alan AVM1502 in Derby507, who predicted 3 1 and a correct score. So, got four points, but these wow. people, so wow. 3 1 and two correct scorers. So, well done to John Band630, 65473, at Robert Lock14, at Barry Twin, at Waller Ad, and Tim Scales94, all getting five points as they went for 3 1 and two scorers. No one got the complete six points, but well done to everyone who predicted correctly, and there'll be a full prediction league table at the end of the podcast. In the so roundup. that wraps up Walsall then. So yeah. we'll move on then to last Sunday, the 13th of October, the Ladies' Cup tie against Portsmouth was called off due to the weather. The ladies' development team beat Sutton 4-1, and as yet more names uh, were rumoured to be taking over the hot seat as the Brisbane Road rumour mill began to fly thick and fast. It certainly did. So thank you to everyone who was DMing us and tweeting us rumours. It was amazing uh, to be part of. So Monday, the 14th of October, a quiet day, but Joe Woodhurst was named in the EFL Team of the Week following his performance against Walsall. So massive well done to Joe as everyone was refreshing their Twitter screens, checking their mobiles, checking Sky Sports all day long. But no announcement was forthcoming on the Monday. So on Tuesday, <laughs> Ruel Satoriu played for Cyprus's under-21s in their match against Belarus. They drew one all, so well done, Ruel. Again, more refreshing, more checking of the news, more Didn't checking happen. phones. Still no announcements. So moving on into Wednesday, the 16th of October, we finally conceded defeat and said, look, we're going to have to podcast on Sunday. It's too late to go into a new week in this. But eventually... At half past five on the 16th of October. And probably and hopefully a day that could live long in the memory. It was finally announced, a long-awaited announcement. And like you said quite correctly, the one that some have waited patiently for, others not so patiently for, was made public as Leighton Orient named Cole Fletcher as their new head coach on an 18-month deal. So Cole joins us from AFC Bournemouth, where he's held several positions, including the strategically important loans manager role. I saw an interview with Eddie Howe. We've probably all seen mm-hmm. it. Eddie Howe speaks very, very, very highly of Carl Fletcher. He does indeed. Nigel Travis said, we're delighted to welcome Carl Fletcher to the club. Carl brings not only plenty of football experience, but also the modern up-to-date skills in managing a football team through the last seven years at AFC Bournemouth. 
I want to thank Ross Embleton for the outstanding job he's done filling the gap during the last several months. Uh, he's handled the circumstances with a sensitivity and a skill that very few could match. Furthermore, we'd like to thank Danny Webb and JB McEnough for their contributions at a very difficult time following Justin Justin's passing. Yeah, great quote there from Nigel. And obviously, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we have an interview with Nigel coming up right at the very end. So, Mr. Levy, yeah. your views on the appointment of Cole Fletcher? Well, it was either going to be a well-known name or someone from left field. And I think if you're going to go slightly left field with an unknown person, it's going to be probably quite underwhelming. And I think there's a lot of us that were a little bit underwhelmed. Um... As we all know, he had a stint at Plymouth, which didn't go particularly well, but I don't believe you could judge him on that point. He was quite young. They were in turmoil. turmoil. Uh, they were in absolute disarray, and many Plymouth fans have come out and spoken very highly of him. And by his own admission, he's gone away, spent a few years studying the game and learning uh, under Eddie Howe at, uh, at Bournemouth. He's got a strong recommendation from Eddie Howe, who's arguably one of the yeah, country's great. leading young managers. Uh, and brightest, uh, he'll have my full support, Carl. Uh, I look forward to seeing him uh, implement some of his ideas uh, on the pitch as well. And obviously, you trust the process that he's not just met Martin and once gone, yeah, okay, cool. You seem like a cool fella. Go and do the job. He's gone through Martin, Matt Porter, Danny Macklin, Nigel Travis, uh, Ken Teague. You know, he's not just wing. You can't just wing it when you're going through that rigmarole, rigorous process. So. Yeah. You know, I believe in trusting the process and uh, look forward to seeing what happens. Fine for yeah. me. I think, like you, I think when I first heard the name Cole Fletcher, I was a bit like, well, who's that? <coughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. But Which everybody would do because he's not a big, prominent name. Yeah, absolutely. I think after a few days, I think Cole's name first started floating around on the Sunday. It was the first time I proper heard him being linked properly with the job. Um, so after a few days, I pondered the decision. I think it could be an inspiring choice, really. I quite like what he's had to say. He's got a lot going for him. You know, he's only... <laughs> I'm older than Cole Fletcher by about two weeks. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, so, you know, he's already managed a club under much tougher circumstances mm-hmm. and, by all accounts, done fairly well, according to Plymouth fans. Um, he spent six years at Bournemouth, so he's been under-21s coach, under-23s coach, loans manager, to learn his trade. He'll have decent contacts across quite a few clubs I would imagine which can only be a good thing for us he's hungry he's got nothing to lose it's his first time doing it so I have no complaints really nothing to lose and everything to gain absolutely you know and like you said the board we know how hard this board work and how clever they are and how astute they are and again Nigel will say normally in big businesses decisions like this normally take about three months to make but they've made it within three weeks and seems that Martin has really interviewed a lot of candidates and, and put Carl forward. So they've done their due diligence. They would have been absolutely thorough. It seems like I've spoken to an awful lot of people between Kent, Nigel, Martin. So you can only back what they're doing. And of course there are concerns, you know, that he's inexperienced, but he has a great team around him. You know, he knows Ross. Ross knows him from Bournemouth. He knows Joby from Palace, played with Joby at Palace. He'll get all the support he needs from Martin and all at the club. And, you know, we have to 100% fully back him. Like, I'm sure all the fans will, you know, and hope that he'll be similar to Nathan Jones at Luton. When they appointed him, they will be going, 
who's Nathan Jones? Or the Cowley brothers at Lincoln. Absolutely, right? million percent. Now, but yeah. Million percent. So those are our views. Before we come on to your views, a few tweets from out and about. So at Matt Porter underscore LOFC tweeted, said, really pleased with our appointment. Carl was a standout candidate having a superb footballing education and philosophy as well as the right level of technical knowledge and also personality and leadership to take the team and star forward. Great tweet there from Matt. A lot of buzzwords within that that are really good to hear. Yeah, Matt Baldry, ex-defender Matt Baldry5 said, LOFC fans, I think it could be a great appointment for the club. Trained a few weeks with Fletch's under-23s at AFC Bournemouth during a pre-season and I was really, really impressed with him. Got everything to be successful there. I think you're in good hands. And Charlie Edinburgh tweeted by saying, I would be lying if I said this didn't hurt. I also challenge anyone who says Carl's job is impossible. What he joins is a club which is full of amazing support and love from top to bottom. Me and my family wish Cole and all the success in his role and urge everyone to get behind him. Absolute class there from Charlie. And I yeah. think it was pointed out that one of the first things that Cole done when he got the job was phone up the Edinburgh family and say, yeah. look, this change is nothing. I, you know, you're still more than welcome at the club and we hope to see there as much as possible. Which so is much great class. So much class. Great testament to Fletch. Yeah. So, so much. Really good. So... Obviously, as you'd expect, being the leading social media fan feedback platform. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit of a to that one. We had absolutely shed loads of views. We're not going to mention all of them, but we are going to mention a big roundup to get a balanced, balanced view of the appointment of Carl. So Matty Sari tweeted us saying, backing the board, I'm sure he is the right choice. Those bemoaning a lack of experience, the only way to get the experience is to do it. Will be exciting for our younger players and will probably secure us some decent loans. Yeah, Lee Boyce 23 said, When the rumours started on Sunday, I wasn't overwhelmed, but having three days to think about it and look at what he's done, I've bought into it now. Excited to see how it goes. Great tweet there. Quite similar to how I was feeling it. DVDNTTG is disappointed. The other candidates couldn't have had much experience. I had hoped for someone with a bit of success in the lower divisions and only an 18-month contract, so a low payout. If it doesn't work. Matt McCarthy, 86, said, Welcome to the club. Has my full support. A young and hungry manager who will hopefully succeed here. Trust the club have got this appointment right and we can move up the league. Ross and Danny will be a massive help settling in. Ian Mane, Rane and John says, He has a fantastic backroom staff around him. For Christ's sake, people, let's give the man a chance. Excited and glad it's not someone off the merry-go-round. A good point, he's stepping into Ross, Danny. He's got a structure and a setup. He's got Martin above him. He's got... Great, great level of support for a first-time manager or Correct. a second-time manager. Yeah, or first proper, first-time yeah. proper, yeah. if you like. But he's also got a team who are not doing badly. Absolutely. I think I mentioned. I think I make a note of it later on. But usually, when a manager is coming into a club, it's because they're on the down. We're on the up, and he's got a now. That's probably a very different pressure on him. Absolutely, now because he's now got that expectation that as we stand, sit here now, recording this, we've won three of our last four games. Yes. What manager walks into a club as the new manager where the team have just won their last three games? It's a, it's a it's weird, isn't it? It's the Orient. Way. It's the late exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> at the Big Badger says an interesting appointment, not one I'd have guessed at the start. I know some say we should have gone for experience, but every manager who's had success has also had jobs where it hasn't worked out. 
There's no guarantees on manager appointments. Cole has my full support. Good tweet. Orient Hub tweets. Very happy. Captain most clubs he's played for and Bournemouth and Plymouth fans have nothing but good things to say about him. Very happy. David Barrett 6 said, surprised at this appointment. Seems a massive leap of faith to believe that this inexperienced guy has what it takes. Little managerial track record to speak of and definitely doesn't know the current league too. Nevertheless, wishing Fletch the best of luck. Only one team says he's coming from a premiership setup bring good habits and attitude came across well in the interview which the club put up we need to get behind him and all together we will march up the league yeah Steve Chaplin 4 said I'd take a hungry young manager over a shop soiled one any day of the week lack of experience well everyone's got to start somewhere yeah good tweet Ian 4768 says a new boss with a new and fresh attitude. I believe he will bring a new and exciting approach to the team. He has passion and appears to have the right values for our club. Welcome to our family and good luck. Yeah, Wilco300 said, leadership qualities all through his playing career, brave enough to try management at a young age and coached under one of the brightest young managers in England. I'm happy with the appointment. I think that's worth pointing out, actually. He was Wales captain. Yeah. And he was captain at Palace. He was captain at Plymouth. He was captain wherever he's been. He's been a captain. So clearly... You know, has that, like he says in that tweet there, leadership qualities. And all those mean. managers have all seen something in him to give him the captain's Correct. armband. And Absolutely. you don't keep getting captain's armband if you're not a leader. So, yeah, good yeah. point there. And Simon Bernstein says, a leader, young and hungry, worked with some great people, got experience since his Plymouth days. It's bold, but could be a gem. Yeah, and do you know yeah. what? Like, I think we were saying this a couple of weeks ago. I've got no problem if he comes in, leads us up the table, gets us promoted, and two years and a bigger championship club coming for him I'd say well done Carl you deserve that see you later yeah. so, I mean that's, that's I guess that's the hope isn't it where of course he goes on to a bigger role at a bigger club it's after a food chain. two and three years yeah, and we're at the bottom of it at the yeah. moment so absolutely Kid Samson said I think that anyone who's unequivocal in their opinion of this appointment negative or otherwise is doing so idiotically due to it being based on very limited information excited to see the direction Carl takes the club in seemed thoughtful and eloquent in his interview you've done well there there's some big words in that one thanks mate well done Wheeler thanks. Dennis said this could be a really Really great appointment by our club. He's young with a hunger to make his mark. He slots into the present coaching staff and comes with a good reputation for working with young players. Let's hope we will soon want to extend his 18-month contract. El Hangle said, Not who I would have got in the building. Not a name I would have ever thought of. Maybe we needed something different. He needs to come in and make some tough decisions, just like Justin had to when he first came in. I feel he epitomises the head coach role. He's a young guy like Ross, Danny and Joby. I question if he'll add what is needed. I hope he does. Uh, He ticked all the boxes, obviously rated highly by those at the club and at Bournemouth, and I hope he does... Uh, I hope he does well. Uh, clean slate now and time to back him and have a solid season. Bendy Bollard says, I wish Carwell massive good luck to him. But the truth is, though, if you asked any O's fan two weeks ago for a list of 50 possibles, Carl Fletcher's name wouldn't have been on any list. No, it wouldn't have. No, Dennis. Uh, Dennis Orient said, really pleased with this bold move and back the board's choice 100%. Captain at every club and for Wales as a natural leader, young, determined and got a point to prove as a manager so we'll give it everything he's got. Orient Davis just comes across reasonably well and ticks a lot of boxes. Just a shame the biggest box of winning football matches has a question mark in it. Time will tell and of course he has our full support. Certainly feel more encouraged having him and Ling spoken. So obviously Carl spoke to the official 
website, so did Martin Ling. Yeah. Martin's was a really good interview, actually. Yeah. Martin's was really insightful. If you've not seen it, it's well worth a, a watch on the club's YouTube channel. It's about eight minutes about the process and about why and how they went with Carl. Really, really eye-opening. Absolutely. Chris Cow too, said, really happy with this appointment. A young, hungry, young and hungry and comes from a superb club in Bournemouth. As Martin said in his interview, Dean Smith had no experience when he started, nor was Martin himself. If he comes highly recommended by Eddie Hell, that's good enough for me. Yeah, Kevin Cowland. Kevin Cowland is always positive. This could be an inspired appointment. I back the judgment of Nigel, Kent, Matt, Martin, 100%. After all, neither Bloomfield, Petchy or Link had any managerial experience when they were appointed. And it didn't work out too badly for them, did Bravo. it? Bravo. Kevin never letting Great us down. Great tweet. Gorillas1985, <laughs> who's doing the quiz at the moment, said too much negativity for a manager that's just arrived. Managed at this level with no money. Coached under one of the best managers in England at the moment. The last time a youth manager took the job, we got promoted. Hashtag in LOFC board we trust. Yeah, Stephen Orient says, as I thought when I first heard the rumour that he was in the frame, it's an interesting appointment. Hoping he fits in well and helps us progress. He will have good contacts who can guide and help as well as the existing group. Slightly different viewpoint from GEB1983, who says, diabolical appointment, total waste of everything that has built uh, in the past 18 months. All it needs is someone that knows what to tweak and we'd be flying again, not someone that needs three years to cut their teeth. Appalling attempt at making a clever appointment. Very, very controversial. Matt J. Nash says, I don't think there are many obvious candidates he is a proven leader. Our goal fans seem to like him. He's hopefully learned from how and will be hungry. Trust owners and Ling's judgment was great the one occasion they had time to make an appointment. It is a risky move, but I'm optimistic. Yeah, Vlatas underscore C said, if he's anywhere near the capability to implement the Eddie Howe mould and DNA style of football and ideas, along with the personality to manage with robust yet fair way and bring out the best of our youngsters, I will be very, very pleased. That's Billy Herring 03. It's a very exciting appointment. A young manager with fresh ideas, an obvious leader, as he was captain at every club he's played for. Coming into a brilliant young coaching team, Carl spent six years learning from Eddie Howe, so should have an excellent footballing philosophy, which takes us on to our last tweet about Carl's yeah, appointment. From Spartacus 1957, who says, didn't foresee Carl Fletcher's appointment, but on listening to him, he seems to want to keep the fabric of the team intact. Therefore, I can only wish him all the best uh, for his future with us and offer my full support. So there's a bit of a mixed bag of views there. Some people utterly at odds with this appointment, others completely on board with it. But you're never going to get an appointment that's going to meet everybody's expectations. We thought uh, Phil, Phil Parkinson. Yeah, um, Phil Parkinson didn't even apply for the job. He's gone to Sunderland now, and he's so gone to obviously Sunderland. managing of a division course. higher at one of the favourites for the league. Absolutely. Like, so that was beyond reasonable that we would expect someone of his calibre to even look at us and think, yeah, I'm out of work, let me apply. Yeah, I mean, you know I mean? without knowing the other candidates, again... I think all we can do is back Carl 100%. The more I've heard him talk, the more I thought, actually, this guy who I wasn't aware of two weeks ago in any capacity sounds like he knows what he's doing. I think he'll fit in well with Ross, Danny and Joby. He's a good character. He does look a bit like Danny Macklin. I've got to say... Couldn't see it. He he is is a stonewaller for Danny Macklin's tweet. Couldn't see it. But like we've said, (laughs) we'll give him our full support and he'll do, hopefully, a great job. Wonderful Like we've said, you know... And he might need a bit of time settling in. It might we might take a downward, we might take a dip before we then rise again. And it's just that peaks and troughs that you'll experience throughout the season, whether you've got a good manager in or not. Bournemouth have it. Everybody has it. So 
We shall see. Yeah, Exciting. absolutely. So thanks Never to everyone who sent us their tweets. Uh, we had absolutely tons. And if we haven't mentioned yours, yours will be getting sorry. mentioned after Grimsby. So also on Wednesday, it was a busy one as the club held a meet the newcomers evening at the club as Josh Wright, Leangle, Connor Wilkinson, Louis Dennis and George Marsh attended, plus Martin Ling and Steve Foster. We hope everyone who went had a great night. Connor Wilkinson, mate, your jeans were an absolute state. I yeah. don't know what some of these youngsters are wearing at the moment, but ripped jeans for me is not a good look. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> the Orient ladies were in action in the combined counties cup against Crystal Palace development side at the Mile End Stadium. The match finished one all after 90 minutes. The O's won the game in the 114th minute as Sophie Lemarchant bagged the winner and the O's progressed into the next round. So congratulations yeah. and well done to the ladies. Uh, go on the ladies. So Thursday the 17th of October, <laughs> happy birthday to not one but two O's mm. legends. Both have done feature length interviews on the podcast. I think yeah, I'll give that one a plug. catalogue on soundcloud.com forward slash orient hyphen outlook. You've done very nicely there. So happy birthday to Kevin Lisby who I believe was 41. One. Yeah. And to one of our greatest left-backs of all time, Matt Lockwood, who's slightly older at 43. Both, I think, Orient, superb for us. Legends. Le- yeah. Let's use that word. Okay. Because that's what they are. Legends. But don't tell Kev. Because he'll just <laughs> let it go to his head. He loves Orient it. legends. Friday the 18th of October, quiet day at the club, nothing to report there. So we'll fast forward to Saturday the 19th of October. Yeah, so it's time for the main event, Grimsby away, which was Ross Embleton's last game in charge as interim head coach. And as always, again, we ran our Twitter poll asking what you thought the outcome of the game would be. So this time, 168 votes. And this time, 13% of you thought Orient would lose were 43% thinking that we would get a draw and 44% of you thinking that Orient would get the win. And again, as always, thank you for all of your votes on that Twitter poll. Yeah, the team lined up with Brill, Ekpateta, Happy, Coulson and Wooderson with Gorman, Clay and Wright and Brophy, Harold and Dayton to complete the starting eleven with Sergeant, Judd, Ogie, Marsh, JMD, Dennis and Alabi on the subs bench. So Big Marv came back into the starting lineup as right back in place of Miles Judd, who dropped to the bench. And James Dayton made his first start of the season in place of the suspended Connor Walkinson on the right-hand side of the attack. For me, no surprises. Good to see Marv back fit again. Uh, and Brophy on the left, Dayton on the right, giving service mm. into Harold. Should give Grimsby quite a few problems. Yeah, disappointed for Judd for me. I thought he did well last week. Strong side though, good to see Dayton back. Yeah, I think like Ross said, Marv is a better right-back suited away when you're under less pressure to attack. Whereas maybe if that was at home, Judd would have started because he can bring the ball forward a bit more. be interesting to see what happens um, next, well, on Saturday. I would imagine that it will be... Yeah, because that's away. Oh, I okay. imagine Ekpateta <clears throat> keeps his place at right back. If he but does be well interesting Plymouth, to see. then he probably will keep it, yeah, because yeah. it'd be unfair to, to chop and change that. Um, we had a message come in from Alpha2 underscore O underscore Mega who said, Great to see Dayton back and Ekpateta, but in the absence of both Angle and Wilkinson, I expected to see Dennis start. Yeah, fair point there. So the match kicked off with the O's looking for their third league win on the bounce in Ross Embleton's last game in charge with new head coach Carl Fletcher watching from the stands. Yeah, it was a quiet first 10 minutes, but in the 11th minute, the O's took the lead as a free kick uh, from Dale Gorman played a took the lead as a free kick as Dale Gorman played a lovely crossfield pass into Marvin Ekpateta at the back post who brought the ball down and his cross found the unmarked Dan Happy who controlled the ball and his shot was well saved but it came back out to him 
and he put the rebound in the back of the net from all of about, I don't know, six or seven yards, maybe even eight yards out uh, to make it 1-0. So, terrific start. Great start. Great assist for Marv. Quite cool for a defender yeah. in that uh, area of the it? pitch. Mm. Good finish from Happy. Second mm. time of asking. I thought the first effort was pretty decent when the keeper done well yeah. to save it, but it didn't hang about. Literally bang, point blank range as well. Bang 1-0. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that kind of luck that we didn't get a few weeks ago, yeah. that we weren't getting in games. Like the keeper would have palmed it out wide or happy, would have come out and he wasn't expecting it to come out and we'd have fluffed it and missed that opportunity. But here we go, we're on it, we're sharp, and bang, it goes back in the back yeah, of the net. Good to so see us it. get the early goal. And things got better in the 22nd minute as the big four-headed legend Josh Coulson made it 2-0. Was Josh Wright put in a free kick, wasn't clear. The ball came to Joshy C., Inside the box, he controlled it, smack on the volley with the right foot. 2-0, flew past the keeper. That was a forwards finish. That was a very, very well-taken goal. I mean, Coulson did score a lot of goals last season, but all that giant, beautiful forehead. I didn't see him take on any volleys like that. Great finish. And again, defender, making it look very easy at the other end of the pitch. Yeah, great technique from Josh there. Fair play and kudos to him for doing that. Yeah. A minute later, Dean Brill had to be alert as Jake Hessenthaler drilled a shot towards goal. Uh, at the near post Dean Brill got down very very well to make a decent save that is a big save there because yeah. if that goes in it's 2-1 23 minutes gone and their fans are rocking so a really yeah. really big save there 28th minute the ginger Pele was booked after mistiming a tackle and another booking followed for the O's 10 minutes later is James Dayton was booked for time wasting Interesting. Three minutes of added time were played and the half-time whistle went as the O's going in 2-0 up at the break. Sounds like we deserve to be 2 up on the balance of play. But again, great to be 2 up with 22 minutes gone. Kind of takes the pressure away and you know Grimsby have to come at you in the second half if they're going to come and get anything from the game. Yeah, I mean, they've got to come and score three. In the, in the second yeah. half. But 2-0, as we've always, as we've learned from previous, isn't a comfortable scoreline, as you might think. Because they get one goal and they're back in it. Absolutely. But yeah, anyway, well. that's not how this story ends. No, Spoiler alert. <laughs> so since announced 4,132, 383 away fans making that long, long journey. Uh, fifth biggest away attendance in League 2. So great attendance there. We hope you all enjoyed your day out. I mean, we know you did. We hope you enjoyed the fish and chips. I saw a lot of pictures for fish and chips from away fans. But yep. quite nice. Yeah, it's where it all comes in, isn't it? It's Absolutely. where youngest that fish uh, outfit come, uh, are, yeah, yeah. Uh, come from. So the O's kicked off the second half. No changes for us. 52 minutes on the clock. Matt Green had a volley from close range, which was excellently saved by Dean Brill. I thought that was a massive save. Really, really good reflex save. And again, if that goes in... Their ground will be rocking and yes. they will be absolutely up for it if that yes. goes in. That is a, that's as good as a goal for me. That's a massive, 100%. massive, massive save. So well done. Both of teams Dean Brill. Absolutely. Yeah. Game-changing saves. Yeah. And that's why it's, he's so important yeah. and he's taken a lot of unfair criticism. Five minutes later in the 57th minute, it was time for the O's first sub of the game as Louis Dennis came on and replaced James Brophy. Dennis was straight into the action as he shot over the bar following a counter-attack from James Brophy. But two minutes later, Craig Clay had a curling effort well saved by McKeown in the Grimsby goal. And from the resulting corner, Dan Happy headed just over the bar. So a lot of chances there for the O's. Dennis's chance, I think we alluded to it a bit earlier in the podcast, quite yeah. similar to his chance at Wimbledon. Yeah. And he puts it over the bar. I think if he scores that, 57 minutes gone, game over. Yes. Game done. They're not yeah. coming back from 3-0. And we're quite fortunate because we know that we 
end up winning the game. However, if Dennis misses that chance and Grimsby go and take one of their chances after and it's 2-1, pressure. then that miss could have turned out to be a pivotal moment. Yeah. As it stands, we're not going to be too critical or look at it in too much detail. No, and I don't want to be too harsh against Louis, but we're talking about a miss from fairly close range again. It's what we alluded to earlier in the podcast. And it's happening again and again. It's a reoccurring thing. I don't know how you train that you do some reactionary training. I don't know what you do. I'm not a football coach or anything like that, but there's got to be something that needs to be addressed there because, you know, if the game's nil-nil or we're losing one-nil, for example, let's, you know, reverse it that way. And that is our only chance of the half, or the guilt-edge chance of the half that gets us back in the game or yeah. nicks three points and you're missing them from four, five, six, seven, eight, nine yards out. Yeah. It's going to cost us at some point. Absolutely. I feel like we must go back and say we... We just said James Brophy was subbed. It wasn't. It was James Dayton. So that is our mistake for any eagle-eared listeners there. Okay. So let's move on into the 67th minute and another chance for Grimsby as Hanson poked over from Hendry's cross when he should have really done a bit better. And just a minute later, the ginger Pele was done for the game as he was substituted for James Alarby as the O's made their second sub of the game with 23 minutes remaining. Not many of us thinking about what was about to happen for Mr. Alabi. Yeah, 70th minute on the clock then. Another chance for Grimsby as the ball was chipped into the box. Whitehouse was unmarked, but he could only head wide, you see. So if they take two of their chances, this is now two all. That was another big chance for Grimsby. Yeah. At this point, you probably thought one a goal was coming for them. Because at this point, we've just spoken yeah. about some big chances for them. Yeah. So let's see what happens in the 74th minute. Final sub for the O's is George Marsh came on for Del Gorman. That seems to be a pretty consistent sub the last couple of games. Around 70-75, Gorman comes off, Marsh comes on, gives you a bit of tenacity, a bit of tiring legs from Gorman, and you get the little nip here. Yeah. Terrier, Marsh coming on. Yeah, just to shore up the uh, the back, to help shore yeah. up the back four there. Uh, a minute later, it's almost 3-0, following a corner from Josh Corson. He had another volley, but this time it's cleared off the line. Yeah, and 80 minutes since, let's do it. It's cap off a perfect match for the O's. Salabi, who makes it 3-0 with quite a goal really I mean he wins the ball just inside our half holds off their defender really well so he does one good piece of skill there to hold off a defender ball's bouncing takes off another defender's head second good piece of skill and suddenly he's in just keeps running forward keeps running forward only the keeper to beat and it would have been quite easy for him to fluff his lines at that point but to be fair to him gets himself into a good position puts the ball under the keeper, into the back of the net, puts the game to bed, and as you'd expect, the away fans go absolutely bonkers. 3-0, game over, game done. Alabi finally has his goal. Very composed. That was quite similar to a few Corona goals that yeah. I saw last season. Yeah, good shout. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, good shout. Nick it, go and beat your man, and finish calling. We've seen Corona doing that a few times. Really well done to James Alabi there. Yeah, he had to run half the pitch, and he did really, really well to do that. Uh, took his 1v1 opportunity, deserved the goal. He picked the pocket of their man in the midfield, in the middle of the park. Still a lot to do. You know, they were still chasing him. Um, I don't think they were particularly going to catch him or knock him off the ball. But typical, you know, if that had been a month ago, he might have tripped over yeah. his own shadow or something yeah, or stumbled or something and it wouldn't have gone in. But, you know, as the luck would have it, it's worked out perfectly well and he's fully deserving of that goal. Let's not underestimate 
you know, he was on the transfer list. He could have gone somewhere else. He had other offers. He wanted to work hard here. He's got his head down. He has worked hard. Ross has rewarded that with an opportunity, and he's taken that opportunity, and he fully deserves it. Yeah, he's taken it for the time being. What I, what I would say about now, Alar, yeah. but he needs to do that a lot more often. Now he's got that opportunity with Ango and Wilkinson yeah, not being there. He, he's by default on the bench at least. Yeah. At the very minimum, he's on the bench. Yeah, so let's skip five minutes ahead. And just when you think things can't get any better, the O's win a penalty as Alabi wins the ball just ahead of his defender, nips into the box, taken down, ref points to the spot. I thought that was a pretty blatant penalty. I did as well, yeah. I mean, it's a mistake on their defender's part who's equal, you know, equally at right to challenge for that ball. But James has just got there a bit quicker. He's just done him from a footballing brain. Yeah. And he's probably got down a bit theatrically, but the contact was still there and he was still first to the ball. So yes. the ref's always going to point to the spot. So upstep, Josh Wright calmly stepped up, put the ball into the right-hand corner, sent the keeper the wrong way. And it was 4-0 <coughs> to the Orient as Josh scores his fifth goal of the season. Good, confident penalty for me. Took it well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Sent the keeper the wrong way. That's the marking of a good penalty. Yeah, I mean, we all know Josh Wright is a decent penalty taker anyway, and you'd expect him to take him um, for the most part when he is on that pitch. So three additional minutes were played out as the full-time week goes. As Ross Embleton's final game in charge as interim head coach comes to an end with a superb performance as the O's win 4-0 in Grimsby. So we weren't there, but David was. He caught up with Ross Embleton after the match, and here's what Ross had to say. Well, Ross... Thanks very much for joining us. Congratulations. You're going to be a tough act to follow, won't you? <laughs> Look, it, it, it's, um, we said three or four games ago about building and trying to get some momentum so that once the change was, was made permanent and it had happened, that the new manager would be able to come into a team that was confident and you know, ready, to, ready to look forwards. And, and the boys have done that. They've been outstanding in the last couple of weeks. And I felt like that result today was, was one that, that potentially was, was, has been coming for a little while so I'm delighted for everybody, obviously what it does now is it, it, you know, it gives, a, gives, them, gives, gives the new manager a, a real opportunity for us to, to build and look, on, look, look onwards, you know. A complete performance, a clean sheet, let's start with Dean Brill, two outstanding saves Yeah, I think it was, he made two real good, real good saves, I thought he, um, his kicking was good, you know, I thought he, he gave us a real Real good opportunity to to be solid at the back. I think once we once we felt like we were we got that sort of third goal and were comfortable, that was a real key thing for me. Was that we we didn't start sort of going gung ho and trying to attack and, and and commit too many players. It was let's make sure that we do our job properly and keep a clean sheet. So uh, delighted for Dean and and, and and the whole team, but the back four as well. And a goal for Dan Happy. He's an exciting young player. I thought he was outstanding today. Um, he's got. He can go wherever he wants, Dan. Um, it, you know, if he if he really keeps continuing to apply himself and and to go and perform in the manner that he did today, physically against a really really good you know, striker target man was outstanding. But I think the way that he imposed himself on the game with the ball as well, I think Dan shows that you know that next level ability to to be able to move the ball and start attacks for us as well as stopping him. And the goal for the super sub James Alabi, the first I think since September last year. Absolutely delighted for him. Absolutely over the moon for him because he's um, he shows a great attitude all the time. You know he gets he's got minutes sort of sparingly here and there this season, and he, he maintains a good attitude and a, and a good focus to the way that he goes about his work every day. He felt like he had 
the ball at his feet for about 25 minutes on that run towards the goal. So to show that composure, I think sometimes he's a lot tougher than when one pops out and you have to finish it instinctively. So I'm delighted for, for him to get on the score sheet today. He didn't score today, but Matt Held has played a big part in this turnaround, hasn't he? Incredible, incredible. Uh, I think I've said to you before, Dave, that certainly something that when I started to sort of review how I'd worked and what I'd done since I'd been in charge, it was something that I was very... Um, yeah, look back with a little bit of a regret that I didn't give Matt more opportunity early on. But now that he's got it, he's grabbed it with both hands. Uh, he gives us a real opportunity to keep the game alive at the other end of the pitch. No, neither centre half ever get an opportunity to rest every ball that goes up. Matt, you know, Matt, when we when we give it to him, he's got a great touch to, to, to help us get up the pitch. And I thought he he led the line fantastically again today. Big afternoon for James Dayton. Yeah, I, I, he's. One different different ways of looking at James's situation in terms of we can keep sticking him on for 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, but then it's going to take a longer period to get him up to scratch physically. Um, so I thought it was an obvious change in terms of being able to bring him in for Connor today, but we knew that he was only going to last a certain amount of time. I was delighted with his first half, the work rate. You know, he was he, he came in at half time and said you know the difference in intensity today in comparison to the game and the minutes he got against Wimbledon was huge. So that's going to be invaluable for him in terms of you know where he looks for for the rest of the season. How do you see your working relationship with Carl Fletcher now going on from here? I'm excited. Um, obviously, I haven't spent a huge amount of time, but met him sort of back you know, last weekend. Um, we've obviously you know, viewed to, to him being announced as the new manager and then we've spent some time on the phone and, and then a, sort of the latter end of this week it's been great that he's been able to travel today because we've been able to spend a lot of time on the coach and at the hotel talking about you know his ideas and how he wants to work what he sees me doing and how he sees me contributing to that so um, I think I've said all along that it's a role that excites me and it's a, it's an opportunity to go back to, to doing that, that job that I think that you know I, hopefully I can give him all the support that he needs to, to continue you know, and make make him a success at this club. And his first game in charge will be at Tuesday night against his former club, Plymouth Argo. Yeah, it's funny how football throws these things up, isn't it? So, uh, obviously a lot of time on the road. You know, we, we left Friday and, and there's going to be a chance for everyone to have a bit of time at home tomorrow before we're back on the road again. But I think it's a great opportunity for us to build. Obviously, it was a tough game when we went there in the cup. Um, but we're in a different frame of mind now, and we're in a different. You know, we, we've got a different outlook on on how we can go into that game. I'm sure it's going to be a very, very positive uh, performance and outlook in terms of the way that we go and prepare for it. And it, you know, it's the first opportunity for the boys to go and impress the manager on, on the side of the pitch. Well, so I think you have to go back to 2015, the last time that Lake Newington got three straight wins wow. in the football league. Okay. They're back, aren't they now? Yeah, yeah, it's a great feeling, Dave. Um, I feel it's been deserved. You know, you know, I was as critical of myself as anybody else during that 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 month of September, if you like, where it felt like really, really, you know, it was a real, real tough uh, role to be in and a, and a tough situation that that we were in as a club. But um, I think today epitomises what the group is all about. I think the, today's performance, uh, along with you know the backing of, of an incredible following and, and crowd today. You know, we, we show that real presence. You know, it really felt like Orient are fully settled back in the football league now. Ross, when you look back at August and September, this was a club and a squad that were recovering from the loss of Justin Edinburgh and also adapting to new players into the squad and a new league. Yeah, and it's um, something that I'm going to always be able to look back on. Um, sorry, always be able to look back on in terms of how tough that period was. It was um, it was extremely difficult circumstances. Sorry, Dave. <coughs> But we've come for it. We've come out the other side of it. We've we've given everybody 
a little bit of something to cheer about now. But the, the biggest, the most important thing through through everything has been that we've you know managed to get some stability back to the club and, and a feel good factor about where we are. And Ross, you have been the leader during that incredibly difficult period. And all I can say is thank you, Ross. Thank you and well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. So that was Dave Victor's interview post-match with uh, Ross after yesterday's game. And thank you again, Dave, uh, for sending that over to us. We are very grateful to you. Yeah, so that win lifts us into the top half of League Two now. We are in 12th place as we have now played 14, won 5, drawn 4, lost 5, 19 points. And a positive goal difference now of plus one, which is fantastic. Amazing. So, Mr Levy, your views on yesterday's win? Yeah, what an emphatic win and a superb way for Ross to sign off as interim head coach. It would have also given Carl a lot of food for thought as he's seen possibly our best performance of the season. Getting goals from all over the pitch is another good thing to take from our game. I think Josh Wright is our leading scorer at the moment. Yeah. Uh, two goals from defenders, one from a midfielder and a striker who's been maligned by fans uh, showed that he can keep his composure and score. Scoring four goals without replies done our goal difference the world of good and that win pushes us up into the top half of the table as well. And speaking of clean sheets, a special mention for Dean Brill who made some game-changing saves as we mentioned uh, earlier. Last four games we've won three on the bounce as Dave mentioned there. We've drawn one of those, that was Port Vale. We've scored 11 and only conceded four so that's positive seven goals uh, goal difference there. So a perfect end for Ross and Ross from me Personally, thank you very much for everything you've done. Uh, to me, you are an Orient legend. Very nice. For me, a great performance, great result. I've, you know, you, look, you looked at the fixture and go, oh, we might have a chance here. Be but I didn't, game, think, yeah. I didn't think it would be as emphatic as a result as what it was. I think to be 2 up fairly early on in the game with 22 minutes was a nice position to be in. Uh, and two very good finishes from, from our defenders. Delight for Coulson. I think Coulson... I think I found it difficult in the first month or two. Maybe he wasn't fit, maybe he was finding his feet, but whatever's happened, I think he is now showing us or continuing the form that he's done. The enigma that is James Alabi continues to dazzle us all, and it sounded like he was unstoppable when he came on. Like I've said, I think we need to see that a lot more consistently from James Alabi. Yeah. Uh, to be fair to him, though, took his goal well, and considering he hasn't scored in a long time, he was very composed when he got to yeah. position, and he won us the penalty. I think, like you've said about Brill, don't underestimate the importance of that clean sheet. That yeah. is massive for us. Huge kudos to Brill. And again, you know, I think we've mentioned Marv, but should Marv be our first choice right back as it stands? There's no doubt in his quality as a centre back and a mm. defender, mm. but we've been pining, or managers have tried to find a way to get those three players into the lineup and have had to play a five or three at the back way. Do you just do what Slade done with Scotty C and go, right, he can play as a right-back. Do you play him as your right-back? Do you accommodate other players in other positions to get Marvin in at right-back? Mm. Great position for Carl Fletcher to be looking at now with all these players. And you've got Sandling to come back in as well. Absolutely, but all in all, a wonderful way for Ross to sign off. You couldn't have written that script any better for Ross to sign off. As you know, His name was sung out again loud at full time by the travelling away fans and he hands over the reins to Cole. Fletcher and again no like we've said Carl. it's a very opposition to be coming out of the last four league games 
one for each really or of a new yeah. manager coming into play. So those were our views. Your views following Grimsby. Yeah, Luke underscore T7 said, Orient top half of the table on a positive goal difference. Great for Carl Fletcher to go into now. I don't want to get too excited, but we could go on a run now. And Matty LFC Evans says, we are firing on full steam once again. Alabi must be trying to force his way into the new manager's plans with his performance today. On to the next game. And the run goes on. Is that that new manager bounce that they talk about? Oh, All absolutely. the players playing that extra 5 or 10% that they've just dug deep yeah. and found. Um, could be. Vince Howard, 73, said, and there was me thinking we'd miss Wilkinson. Really seem to be kicking on now and showing what we're capable of. Ted Talks Orients is a brilliant performance, but I only felt comfortable when we were freeing him up. Alabi's goal was the cherry on the cake. At El Coado said, a win, top half of League Two and a positive goal difference. Great for the new man to walk into, only conceding, sorry, only concerning thing is that Widdison scored last week and now Alabi. I'll have to check after Mass tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure this is the first sign of an impending op- apocalypse. Brilliant. Tommy Brilliant. Atkinson, six, is really good league form currently. Great team play lately, too. All very encouraging and can't wait to see how Fletcher gets on. Lou Bear 84 said, Great win. So happy for Alabi. Takes way too much criticism from our fans. Buzzing for him. At George Nicholas underscore once says, Over the moon. Absolutely smashed him. Proud of everyone. And loving the feel good vibe at the club. I just wish I was there to run on the pitch when Alabi scored. Yeah. Getting there or in. We don't, there wasn't a mini pitch invasion. When we don't condone encroaching <laughs> on the playing pitch, but you know. Orient Fan TV said, Wow, wow, what a performance from the O's. A clean sheet away from home, four different goal scorers, a larby scores. The confidence amongst the, the players is great to see. What a way for Ross to sign off as head coach. Surely has to be manager of the month now, onwards and upwards. I don't think an interim head coach bowing out has ever won a manager of the month. I don't think he'd get it to well, be He doesn't fair. complete the month, yeah. does he? Because there's still tomorrow. And Carlisle to play. Yeah. yeah. And Boatsy says, what a fantastic away win. Four great goals, especially Alabi. We're now officially back in League Two. And what a way for us to sign off. Fletcher has a great platform to build on. He definitely does. Daniel underscore D44 said, Wilderson one week, Alabi the next. It's a sign that we're going up. Embleton has finished on a high and left us in great position. Hope Fletcher can keep this good run of form going. At LOFC Chaz says, if Alabi does that on a consistent basis, what a player he could be. I really hope this is just the start for him. I absolutely love the guy. Um, Run Andre F with GC said, I'd seen some rubbish away from home in my time as an O's fan going back to the 1980s, but that was right up there with the best. We had the icing on the cake with a 4-0 win, but we got the cherry on top as well with a Larby scoring. I couldn't believe what <laughs> I was seeing. Masters underscore James D says a great way for Ross to sign off. He leaves with the team on a good run, full of confidence and a belief that they can compete at this level. Great to see us scoring so freely, but more impressed by the way the defence has improved. Pressure is on Fletcher now to build mm. On Ross's good work. Exactly. And the final word this week goes to Jack Arena, who said, Well done, O's. Another great performance, a clean sheet, and Alabi scores. The new manager must be rubbing his hands together to work with the, with the team. Well done to Ross and the staff for all their work over the last few months. So, this has been an episode with a lot of tweets packed in, a lots of talking points this week with Fletcher. Uh, with Walsall, with Grimsby, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to them. But do let us know if you've agreed or disagreed with any of the tweets we've read out. These are all tweets that came into us on Twitter, at Orient Outlook. So let us know your views on those, or you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com, or you can find us on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast, or on Instagram at orient underscore outlook underscore podcast.
Yep, so Prediction League. There are no correct, prediction, correct predictions for this match, which means the top of the Prediction League is as follows. Sue underscore Manx leads the table. She's top of the pile with 12 points. On 11 points is Alan AVM1502 and Wallerad. 10 points is Steve Chaplin 4. And on 9 points is iRockenback72 and at O's Fan Basing. The full table is on our Facebook page, as Steve mentioned earlier. And as always, thank you to everybody who sends in their correct predictions for taking the time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So Sunday, the 25th of October, today then, the Orient ladies were in FA Cup action, and despite taking a 1-0 lead, they eventually lost 6-1 away, sorry, at home, to Portsmouth ladies, who are only a division higher than us, so unlucky to the ladies on their loss. But the ladies' development team were in action, and they beat Clapton 5-0. So well done to those ladies. Yeah, Kent Teague, our vice chairman, tweeted the following this afternoon. He said, been very pleased with how LOFC players and staff have responded to Ross's decision. The recent results have been a reflection of their increase in quality. Our club seems to be pretty good at responding to adversity. I'm pretty inclined to agree with that. To yeah, be absolutely. With you. Always good to hear or see Kent's views uh, on Twitter. We a Jew if Kent visit on the podcast or Kent conversation Kent so hope all is well with you and just before we start recording we did catch up with O's chairman Nigel Travis to get his thoughts on the appointment of Carl Fletcher Ross Embleton and a bit more uh, other details so here is what Nigel had to say so Nigel thank you for giving up your time this evening it's been quite a busy uh, week down at the Orient. So let's start off by asking you, what are your thoughts on the appointment of Carl Fletcher? Well, uh, I think the first thing I'd say is uh, that this process was very efficiently run. Um, a, a typical search for a senior position in business, I've, I've worked it out, takes four months. We did it in three weeks. Uh, we had over 50 candidates. I think Martin actually met or talked to say about nine people. Uh, we had a then Matt kind of joined in and I think they saw six people. Matt, Matt and Danny did the interviews about six people and then it got down to three people that we talked to uh, which involved again Martin, Kent and myself. So it was a excellent process. I know a lot of people didn't expect Carl but we think we found a really uh, fantastic new head coach. Uh, he has a lot of terrific characteristics. He's a leader, which has been shown by his captaincy of Premier League teams and Wales. Uh, we think we have someone who is modern, up to date. And, and the key criteria all the way forward was we need to get someone who's going to help improve us. And I think over the last couple of years, we've continuously improved. We've continuously improved our analytics, we've continuously improved our coaching and I think Carl's a continuation of that. And then I think a, a very important aspect, and I know a lot of people commented on this, we have a structure and and it was fascinating reading some of the comments. Um, the structure is set up for who we are. We, we believe that we can build this club for the future. We believe the academy is very important. We believe all the kind of revenue aspects of coaching are important like the college program which I don't think has ever got much visibility but is a new concept that we learn from other teams in the National League and then overseas camps that's all under Martin 
and the fact that people like Kent and myself are all in the States, Martin does a great job. So, as net net, we feel we've got a great candidate. I think he's going to be a true leader, and we're excited. And talking of true leaders, Carl Fletcher comes in, but obviously in the interim we've had Ross Embleton, uh, who's been an interim head coach, and I don't think it can be underestimated of what a good job uh, Ross has done. Is 
the right way to 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 manage a business of any kind. So we've gone through quite a robust process to uh, appoint um, Carl. His first game in charge will be effectively Plymouth away on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean that's kind of ironic, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> uh, we 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 expected it to be Saturday, which, by the way, was kind of amazing. Uh, but I think one thing I'll say about Saturday first guys is. Um, even though we won 4 nothing, and I'm celebrating like everyone else, I think we've got to keep our feet on the ground. They, they missed a couple of really bad chances, in my view. Um, so it could have easily been tighter than it was. And about four weeks ago, certainly around the Colchester game time, we were all saying, oh, God, you know, we're in a bad position. We're actually in a pretty good position now, uh, only two points off the playoffs. So I think everyone has to... Just calm down, not get too excited because it'd be very easy uh, to get a couple of games to go the other way. So, um, yeah, I think this is going to be a fascinating game. We played them earlier in the year, and as Ross said after the game yesterday, we're a different team now. I think we're going to go in there with some confidence. I think Carl's going to make the players have an additional step, as they say, because that's what happens when you get a new boss, a new coach. Um, and He's going against his old club. I'm sure the players are going to want to play for him. So the thing I really want to cover is going to be an exciting game. And let's talk about streaming. This is a great opportunity for all Orient fans to go home after work, sit at home, watch the streaming on Orient TV, which is very easy to find on the website. It's very easy for them then to go on to, to sign up for one game and sit and watch the Plymouth game. When we played Mansfield, I'm the first to accept we had a few problems. Now that came out of a situation where last year we did streaming intermittently. National League was quite difficult to work with. We came into the Football League, we didn't quite get it right early on. So our early season form, if you can use that analogy, wasn't very good. It's improved dramatically since then. And I think this is a great opportunity for fans and I know we don't give actual numbers, but, you know, it's, it's in the hundreds. And I think this is an opportunity for us to break the record on Tuesday night and watch what is really a fascinating game. And just so that I understand correctly, because it's a Tuesday night game, it means UK viewers can also stream it, right? It's not um, just foreign <laughs> viewers. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And actually, people seem to find it difficult to understand. So, so it is. Midweek games... Uh, aren't subject to the Europe-wide blackout of certain times on a Saturday. That's why it, it, it can be shown. I think it, people are also confused because we couldn't do it in the National League, but the EFL allows it, permits it, and encourages it. Um, so um, it only happens a few times each season, but this is going to be a terrific game, I hope, and uh, I think it's one everyone should try and watch and, uh, I'd love to be able to say to you guys in a couple of weeks we've, we're getting close to a thousand fans watching the game. So just to kind of end in, Nigel, it's been a tough week for football in terms of what's happened on the pitch. Obviously Bulgaria uh, and England, that's been well documented. And yesterday at Haringey Borough, there was another case of racism uh, in football. And I know you and the club have taken a very particular wide stance on, on racism in football. Yeah, I mean, that was sad. I mean, I, I think 
jumps a bit asleep. I didn't actually see what happened because I was kind of watching Orient's great victory at <laughs> Grimsby. But uh, clearly, it's been a tough week. Um, we sent out a statement, whatever it was, six, seven weeks ago, and a lot of people said, well, why are you doing that? Well, I, I want to make it abundantly clear. We won't tolerate it. We'll throw anyone who is 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 chanting anything, saying anything that's racist, racist out the ground. Um, we live in a world that is increasingly diverse. It's clearly very important here in America. I think in the UK is a very highly integrated multiracial society. We have a large number of players who, let's say, come from different races. Uh, we want to support them. Um, and I think what happened to Haringey, which, by the way, is a club we're pretty close to, um, is, is appalling. And uh, I think that fully supports the stance we took those weeks ago. So just to finish now, Nigel, obviously, Carl Fletcher is in from what is in effect now. We've got two big games coming up this week. We've had the last four games have taken ten points and done really well. What would your message be this evening to Leighton Orient fans to close the interview? Well, well I, I think I said it. I think Kent did one of his famous tweets, um, which was, you know, we had, we had a plan. We, we planned to be in the National League three years. I think everyone now understands that. We did it in two. Which we just can't get ahead of ourselves. Um, you know, we, we're going to go through a few weeks at some stage in the rest of the season where we lose two or three games. Let's not get too low. And now let's not get too high. Let's enjoy the experience. The team are scoring a lot, lot of goals. We're second in the league in terms of goals scored. I think that's fabulous. And that's without two of our major strikers in the team right now. So um, I think it's an exciting time to be a late Orient fan. Thank you to all of them for supporting us so well home and away. Um, so let's get behind Carl um, and let's see what happens. I mean, you know, now's not the time to predict what's going to happen the rest of the year. But I, I'm just saying, let's not get too high or too low as things go. We're in a good position. We've got our club back. And as I think Ross or Dave Victor, I can't remember, said yesterday, winning three games in... In League Two means we're a proper football league club again. So let's look at it like that. So what a fantastic way to end that interview. We are a proper football league club again. And a massive thank you there to Nigel Travis for speaking to us uh, just before we started recording whilst watching his beloved Miami Dolphins, who we are told were losing at the time. Yeah, of the interview. So we hope they pulled it back. So let's wrap this bad boy up at one minute. <clears throat> one minute? At one hour, 35, as it's turned into a bumper episode, but to be expected on the back of all the news this week. So Fantasy Football Update. Andy Chalk leads the Orient Outlook Podcast. Fantasy Football League, he has 550 points. He's well ahead of Ian Gray in second place on 512 points. I am having a shocker in 128th place. I've already played my wild card. There's oh, more wow. players in this week, 286 now. And a shout-out must go out to O-Scout Steve Foster, who climbed up to ninth place in the league over the weekend and even messaged us this morning to inform us of his progress. So well done. He was gloating. To Steve for that one. Dream Team update, though. I'm doing much better in this one. Yeah. I am uh, eighth in the Orient Outlook Podcast Fantasy League. However, I am behind Elias, 
who is top of the league on 534 points. He's three points ahead of Michael Head from the Greater Game. Go on, the Michael Head. In second place. 87 players. So we've had five new players join up in the last Decent. week. Yeah. So please, if you play Dream Team, come and play in our league, which moves us on to positives and negatives of the week. Yep, let's do of that the fortnight, then. Sorry. Of the fortnight, sorry. Of the fortnight, yeah. New manager appointment, obviously the positive there. Yeah. Uh, we've got two wins in the last fortnight against Walsall and Grimsby, making it 10 points from our last four games and therefore bumping us up the league and giving us a positive plus one goal difference. Two weeks ago, if you would have said you'd have a positive goal difference and you'd spank Grimsby 4-0 and Warsaw 3-1, you would have gone nuts. I'd have bitten your hand off for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like Josh Wright said to me post Paul Van. I keep going on about Josh it. It's almost sorry, Josh Corson. What did I say? Right. Yeah, Josh Corson post um, post Port Val said that goal, that that equalising goal could be our turning point. That just that impetus that we needed yeah. and so far it's come good so yeah. Plymouth won't be an easy game either um, and nor will Carlisle next week so it'll be interesting to see how we'd fare there Joe Widdison scoring his first goal in 100 games for us and obviously James Alabi's goal against Grimsby more great positives yeah absolutely just the one negative over the last fortnight and that is Connor Wilkinson's red card against Walsall but that so far has turned out to be a blessing because Matt Harold has done superbly well and Alabi, he came on and smashed it. Not done himself any harm, has he? No, absolutely. It's a hero of the fortnight. So it's been a unanimous decision for us, I think, over the last fortnight. Had it been hero of last week, it would have gone to Joe Willowson without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Had it been hero for this week, it would have gone to James Alabi without a shadow of a doubt. However, hero of the fortnight, this fortnight goes to... Ross Embleton. Ross, Paul said it, you're a legend. We love you. Amazing the work you have done um, since the traumatic events of the summer, but even before then, assisting yeah. Justin and just doing what you do. So Ross wins our hero of the fortnight. I think everyone can agree that is very, very well-deserved. 100%. So next week's fixtures, yeah. and as we wrap this up now, there are two fixtures this week. We make the very long journey down to Plymouth Argyle on Tuesday night, the 22nd. Plymouth are eighth in the league, having beaten Carlisle United 2-0 on Saturday we're then in action at home next week uh, October the 26th as we entertain Carlisle United who are currently 20th in the league after losing 2-0 away to our opponents Plymouth uh, on Saturday so if you're going to either of those games make sure you have a safe journey why not tweet us on your way to the match during or after or if you see us give us an oi oi we won't be at Plymouth we're not that crazy <laughs> so just to finish off then don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or tweet at Big Ads with a Z LFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. So that's it. Thanks for joining us for episode 196. Yep, Ross Embleton signs off his reign as O's interim head coach with three wins and a draw from his last four league games and hands over a team and a club who have been through a traumatic time and are now coming out of it into the light. It's easy to forget that Ross also had to grieve at the same time as guiding everyone else through the period. So massive props and our gratitude to him for doing what he's done. So Carl Fletcher now takes over and we'll be hoping to carry on where Justin and Ross have left off. And although he's inexperienced and probably wasn't our first choice, it's of huge importance that we all get behind him and give him our full support starting at Plymouth on Tuesday and then as we welcome him at Brisbane Road against Carlisle on Saturday. So we are fast approaching 
200 we'll be yeah. back with episode 197 next week which will hopefully be shorter with all the information and views that you could ever need yeah absolutely if you're listening on iTunes please subscribe give the podcast a review if you're listening on SoundCloud tune in and Stitcher add us to your favourites and that way you'll have the podcasts available as soon as we upload them don't forget we are also on Spotify we're also on Google Podbean and Echoes and Amazon Alexas and yeah every podcast platform that you would wish to be on every smart device that you would wish to be on so if you have an older relative or a loved one who you think will like the podcast grab their phone download it for them tell them there's exclusive content from Nigel loads of fan views about Carl and just generally an Orient podcast it's a good good round up for Orient Orient chat about Orient yeah so thanks again to Nigel Travis for making the time to come on on this Sunday evening thanks to the club for helping us to sort that one out we'll also quickly push the mugs, it's Christmas, it's coming up sooner rather than later. Get your belated limited edition Orient Outlook podcast mugs because once they're gone, they're gone. So Carl Fletcher starts this week. Let's hope next week we're talking about two Orient wins and we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.